Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Loose Head Podcast with me, Jeff Neville. Today I have Richard Hibbert on the phone. Richard, how are you? Yeah, very good, very good. Staying sane in this craziness. So where in the world are you? I'm in uh, sunny Talbot, uh, down in South Wales. You're, you're coping all right with everything? Yeah, I'm not too bad, you know. Quite lucky, to be fair. Weather's been nice. Uh, whole family is safe, so I'm very happy. You getting much gardening done? <laughs> I'm always in the flipping garden, hiding from the missus. <laughs> uh, yeah, doing a bit. The missus is, uh, is giving me a hell of a list of jobs to do. Uh, I didn't think it was possible, but I'm busy every day. I suppose we'll kick off, first off, starting about your club career. So you started with the Ospreys, and you spent hell of a long time with the Ospreys. What are your memories of those nine, ten years there? Uh, yes, yeah, ten years of the Ospreys. Uh, my memories, it was a fantastic time. Obviously, we went through the era. I came in the end of the first season they started. Uh, Lynn don't sign me. And I went through all the way through until... 2014. Uh, so, yeah, it was good. Big 10 years, to be fair. I got to play with a lot of very, very good players. Uh, met a lot of great friends who are still friends with me now. So, yeah, I look back fondly on the Ospreys' time. The only thing I do wish we did more there would push on in Europe. Uh, we obviously won the league a few times. Uh, we never can get grips on the cup campaigns really what do you think you could have done differently as a team in order to to lift that silverware uh, I think it's a, it's a weird one I don't think looking back at it now it's, it, it, we weren't mature enough as a, a pack or we weren't quite there uh, it was we had a hell of a team I mean like when you looked across the board it, it was just Internationals three deep in some positions. Uh, we never just quite grasped those uh, monster games. And, uh, even to this day, I still can't really put my finger on it. Uh, it's a very difficult one. A lot of players say to win in Europe, there's an awful lot of fine margins that people don't realise. It could be something as small as missing a key player or maybe a line-out that didn't function well in one game, which ultimately cost the tournament. Is there anything that really sticks out in the memory that um, that went wrong, or is it just a case of it was it just got away from you? I think, it, yeah, I think it's a bit of that. I think a lot of, you look at good teams and caps and stuff, they've gone through years and years of learning. And I think we did that. We, we had some fantastic group games. We had a, I think, a few quarterfinals. Uh, our learning days were almost there, you know. Uh, and then I think the financial breakdown in Wales of the regions and, uh, and stuff going on in the background is all sort of changed just a little bit too, uh, just a little bit at the same time as our learning was just over. So we can never really push on with that superstar squad we we did have. How disruptive is it having kind of, I don't want to say uncertainty, but certainly movement in Welsh rugby. I mean, with let's say the regions coming in or even there a couple of years ago during the World Cup, the talk, or was it during the Six Nations, sorry, um, the talk of, 
kind of amalgamating some regions together and maybe getting rid of one, does that offer a big distraction, let's say, as players? Or is it more a case of, right, it, that it's out of our control? Ultimately, it shouldn't be out of our control as the players. We are the uh, we are the teams in the heartbeat, the, the backroom staff, the, the coaches, the, the office staff. We are the actual region. Uh, Wales is always going to be a tough place financially, uh, viable wise. Uh, but I, I think we got the number of the regions right. Four regions is perfect, uh, and at the time it was just the lack. Of Clarity is the lack of transparency about it all. Um, and obviously, it does have a massive knock on effect uh, with the, the mentality and the mindset of the players. Obviously, with that going on, it was a rebanding structure with pay uh, for the players as well. But it's all just coming all at once and very, very late in the season. So you had thousands, uh, tons of boys uh, contracted. Don't know what they were doing, or uh, boys didn't know if they could stay or not stay, and if it was going to be, it, it was a tough spot. Uh, I'm really, really glad, uh, personally, that our ex Osprey player that it didn't happen. Was it a difficult decision to come to to move to Gloucester? It was. It wasn't. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my ten years at Ospreys. Uh, I. Give them up to my body and the opposite of that. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but I thought I can remember one of the old hookers, uh, Mary Davis. Uh, it's just after he didn't get a region, he was going through a tough time. He, I think, he went into the, the English Premiership with Boston himself, and he told me at the time it was one of the best things he ever did in his life. It's just that. Uh, a different environment, different leagues, it's, everything was different and he sort of recaptures the magic of it all and uh, he said he kind of got it even doing a bit earlier. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was stories like that to, to sort of give me the final push to go. You spent four years in Gloucester. You must have yeah. enjoyed your time there massively. I mean, even one fan had a tattoo of you. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. You know, explain that to the wife for an 18-year-old girl's view on the leg. Uh, in fact, it was me from behind, so it was my best side anyway. Um, but I, I, honestly, Gloucester, four years, I couldn't spend another six there. It was, I don't know if you've ever been to Gloucester, the whole match day uh, experience is incredible. Even if you're opposition and come in there, it's incredible. It's, it's incredibly Hard to play in front of the shed. I've done that for the Ospreys against them. But playing for them, they are unbelievably great fans. Uh, an amazing club to be part of. Uh, the whole town and uh, the surrounding areas are just steeped in the, the rugby history. And you can go down to Tesco's on a Sunday, and if you lost, you'll see the Gloucestershire is following you around the aisles. He's, he's ready to get you. Uh, <laughs> but but no, they're great, they're great fans. And the best thing about it, you didn't care if you lose, but as you went out there on the pitch and you you give them 100%, they, they were great fans of baseball. So what enticed you to come back to Wales and to join the Dragons? Well, you fellow Irishmen, uh, Bernard. Uh, 
he's a good block runner. I, I met up with him, and in fairness, he had a great vision for uh, what he wanted to do with the Dragons. Uh, he wanted to get a lot of the Welsh boys who were out of the country, uh, back into the country. He wanted a couple of the uh, older fellas who were well experienced. And, and he taught me, a it was a, a difficult choice because I was enjoying my time in Gloucester. But obviously, I my place back here and and stuff. So uh, after I spoke to Bernard and he gave me his vision, it was like perfect. It sort of married up where I was, my uh, my career, my uh, family, and and it just again it it's little sparks getting reunited on on the way through your career. That was one of them. I thought, oh yeah, even if it's the start of something. Dragons. Uh, I want to be part of it. So when Bernard was released from the Dragons, did that did that impact the dream you had for the Dragons yourself? Well, it did at, at the time. Obviously, uh, Bernard just signed us, and uh, what was it, six months in, and he's he's gone, and uh, it was difficult. Right? I I didn't, and it was all all that stuff else was going on. And, it was just like, oh, where, where, where is Welsh rugby going? And, uh, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. Season, the whole thing was just nuts. Uh, but no, now with Dean coming in, who again, just a very clever man, who he's got a great vision of what the Dragons can be and where he needs to take us. Uh, and him coming in with a five-year deal, is, uh, he's, he's got time to do it. I think he terminated his contract. Well, he didn't have the time to implement his plan during the two seasons there. So now Dean's got this security. He's got time to rebuild. He's got time to get bring these youngsters to. And now those Dragons are known for They bring some quality players through uh, the academy system. Uh, but they never get to a level where you add to it and just get more boys in to support these these superstars who they create. So you were capped 38 times for Wales over your career and it's probably been a long time since your first cap but do you still remember it? Yeah, I remember it. Uh, in 2006 down in Argentina. Uh, the only reason I remember it because I had food poisoning the night before. Uh, I can't believe it. A bit like the Michael Jordan uh, episode, is it? Yeah, I did have pizza. It was <laughs> Uh, no, I can remember. We went, they take us out for a team meal the night before uh, to this restaurant. I had some food. I can remember about two in the morning, phoning the doctor. Doc, I don't feel too good. Uh, he said, come to my room, I'll give you something. I got to the lift. As I, the lift opens, Doc's standing there, and I just uh, was sick everywhere. <laughs> so I can remember before the game, but I swear, I could have broke my arm that night or my leg, and I would Never pulled out. It was a, it was a dream come true, and get capped on the same day as a couple of my mates as well, which was, was phenomenal. What's your most favourite game? Uh, it's, it's lots. Uh, I remember we played Australia a lot, and lots of battles with them. We always seemed to lose by one point. Uh, but I think for me it was uh, thirty points to three England game. Uh, if you look at the the way that everything would created about that, I think before that Six Nations, we uh, 
on a nine-game losing streak. We played the first Six Nation game. I was injured. I guess I under our place. I think we were like 32 points up half-time or something. We come back, uh, but it wasn't quite enough. So obviously, you can imagine everybody's on the back back of Gats and, and, the, and the team at the time. It was, oh, it was tough. It was tough. Um, but as a team, it just pulled us in tighter. It was crazy. It, it was crazy feel. It, it was such a good, tight squad. Staff and everything about the, the environment of the group. Uh, I remember then we went to, uh, I think it was France. We snuck a win out there. We, we had all the blues away that year. And then we went to Italy. Got a win there. Scotland. Got a win there. We came down to the England game at home. Obviously, England was going for the Grand Slam. But the great thing about that, it, it was no... There's no talk about we could win the championship if we scored eight points or more. There was no talk about that. It was all talk about just get the win uh, and I beat England on the day. It was never any tactics in going for a massive win or just those eight points, like penalties or anything. It was just beat up. And safe to say, I've only ever been involved two games like that. The intensity was just create off the charts. It was nuts. Remember looking thinking, Jesus, I am gone here. Uh, it's got to be close to half time. It's got to be at least 30 minutes. Please be about 35. Look at the clock. It is 12 minutes 56. I am thinking, how the fuck am I going to carry on? <laughs> but I looked around there and I see Adam Jones and he was blowing even more. So <laughs> I, was, uh, I was quite comforted by that. But no, it was just like, you just knew, it was just the, the intensity of the game, the physicality of the game, everything was just the 1% at the top, you know? And it, it was never going to be able to hold us back in the end of that game. And obviously the scoreline score reflects it. And to beat England was an achievement. To get the eight points to win the championship uh, was awesome. But to win 30 points to three was just... I was at the Millennium Stadium when you won the last Grand Slam there in Cardiff last year against Ireland. Yeah. It's just like you, you can almost cut the air it's so thick with uh, uh, anticipation and excitement. In there. I remember after the game they turned the lights off but you could still feel them and hear them breathing and just before the trophy presentation it was just, it was just phenomenal. It's funny you said that you came up against Australia an awful lot with Wales because the next thing I want to talk to you about is when you came up against Australia with the Lions in 2013. Um, I was actually doing a bit of research on you over the last couple of days just to, to, to get the memory ticking over and I kind of ended up going down a little wormhole and lo and behold, two hours later, I was watching the documentary from the tour. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> I got nothing done that day, really. But as a tour um, in 2013, you played in all three tests. I know you came off the bench in the first two, but you started the third. 
and in total you actually played nine games. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I played nine and ten. I missed the fourth game. It's the only game I missed. But like, I mean, for you personally, guys go on those tours and you know, sometimes they don't get much game time at all. You must have been absolutely thrilled with getting nine games in. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it, it's an incredible so experience. Yeah, I was. It was. I couldn't. Yeah, it was weird because uh, obviously you you sort of your Saturday game, your midweek game. So if you were playing on Saturday, and normally I was on the bench, and then I played the start of the midweek game. And Keep going, keep going. Uh, so yeah, I ended up being involved in nine of the ten. Uh, my, my my body knew I was as well, man. <laughs> I was in bits by the end of it, but you know, it was it was part. It was to play uh, once in a shirt or is an honour to play in nine times. Is just going to ask for more. There was one clip where you're just doing some scrummaging practice. But Graham Roundtree is really emphasising how important the scrum was. And luckily, or funnily, I don't know, it was probably edited well, it actually skips to a piece then against the Waratahs and he milled them in the scrum. How big a role was that set piece on that tour? Uh, it was huge. It was huge. If you remember, it was just before all the law was finished. Uh, and if you, the first two tests, we, we had Southern Hemisphere refs. And then the third test, we had a Northern Hemisphere rep who actually finally rested scrum. And uh, that was a big dominant factor on the day. Uh, with obviously, the armchair, Adam Jones next to me, and uh, Cobb's Heroes on fire that day. So I thought scrum was a huge uh, positive and a factor in the, in the final win. I was just finished reading Paul O'Connell's book and he touches on the that tour as well. And he tells a story of Warren Gatlin comes up to him and very openly says, Alan Wynne Jones is in, it's between you and Jeff Parling for the second spot. Now, that's a player like Paul O'Connell being told, you know, you're not a shoe in How tough is it to get that test spot? Yeah, it's... Well, you've got to look at the way I look at it. I look at it as a whole as a year. So you've got to play well for your club uh, the start of the season. Then you play the autumn internationals. So you have to work, play well internationally. You go back to your clubs, play all the derbies at Christmas, the Nations. You've got to play well again. Um, and then you've got to finish the season off with the club. And you, you never, I never bought dirt get it. It was actually a massive shock. Not only to get through the whole season injury free in form, you it's got to be like it's got to be written as stars. And, it's, um, and then obviously selection and stuff comes. Gatsby was a master of that sort of stuff. Uh, by saying that to Paul, he knows he's going to get out the best out of Bobby. Uh, he knows what the type of character Paul is. He said that to him. Yeah, you nobody's come with uh, and it shows the respect to Paul because when Paul got injured out there uh, Gats kept me out there help out in training and stuff so it just shows uh, I actually roommate with Paul obviously I've been playing against him in ages with Munster and Ireland and stuff 
I was thinking, oh, fuck, here we go. Because all he does is cheat in game and <laughs> against the Osprey. I think, oh, please not Paul. I come in, he's a completely different other broken than I expected. We got on like a house yeah, he's absolutely fantastic. Sam Warburton captained that tour and he was only 24 years of age. How impressed were you with him? Yeah, I was very impressed. I was impressed with the other characters who, who stood up, like Paul around him. Uh, I think Brian was around him. Uh, Alan Wynn again, who... Like, uh, I would say they were all like, side captains as well, where Sam was the tour captain and he did a great job to get injured. But these boys really helped out, helped out in a big way. The first and second tests were very tight, but yeah. the, the third test you kind of ran away with it a good bit. What was the difference between those tests? Uh, yeah, like the first one, yeah, it was tight and we got the win. The second one, I th- that was the decider. I think. I think that's Australia gave absolutely everything in that test. Um, I remember the final whistle going and they were cheering, you know. Absolutely delighted with the win. I can remember the like after that test, they took us away from the main path, they took us out to New Zealand, like a holiday camp where we just all relax, have a few beers, take us away from the the bubble of it all and all the pressure and the press and uh, a lot of it. And we did, we had a few beers, enjoyed each other's company. I don't think we trained until the Wednesday. But it's the right thing to do, and I think it just give us that extra recharge and refresh, and ready for that final test. And we knew Australia had given everything in that second. So, again, I mentioned earlier about the the intensity of the games. It's two I've been involved with, and that third test again, it was the second time I've been involved in something so intense. And it's the same feel. You get feels in this game where it could be tight until the 62nd minute, or uh, 70th minute but you know you just it's just going to open up then they got no more uh, and again it happened in this game I mean, it was it was just the fact that we they've given everything in the second test and sort of blew away in the first 50 in that test and uh, I think that's why the score went correctly the way it did on a lighter note you were in charge of finding players for maybe major or very, very minor indiscretions. What are some of the funnier ones you can remember? Uh, yeah. I don't know how I ended up on fights. I always end up on fights for some reason. Uh, but no, it was a... Well, obviously, if you watch the documentary, you've seen the clip. And it was it was brilliant. So we had a fight committee all the way through. Uh, I was trying to find everyone for everything, to be fair. I was a bit of a bastard on it. Uh, <laughs> Mainly the coaches and stuff. Uh, I was trying to get Gats back a lot. Uh, if you uh, remember the first te- uh, first game was out in Hong Kong. Yeah, the Barbarians game. So we had to go from Hong Kong to uh, Western Australia. Perth was it to play the Force. Yeah. And obviously we played the game. Uh, we had a few beers after the game. Flew the next day. And there were, I think it was 36 players, 35 business class seats. So I'm thinking, so they try to work it out to the best. So they said, right, the team against the force all got seats in business class. Okay, so that's 
25 players. Then they go, right, uh, the boys who played the most minutes in the, the Barbarians game, boys with Knox. Uh, so I was thinking, oh shit, here we go now. I'm getting down to the, about the last five. Uh, I think it got down to about four of us. Uh, and then it was down to gas and pick. I could see him turn around in the front of the bus. And he looked at me and said, oh, Ibs will go at the back. So everybody else was in business class and I was in zoo class. But it went too bad because we actually had the whole plane to ourselves. So, uh, it was nice. So I tried to get him back all the way along for that. So I'd find him for anything. If he was... Oh, just anything I could find him for. Uh, but going back to that Zeeb story, it was it was brilliant. Cause we only... We had a fight committee meeting just before it, and we wanted to change things up a little bit. And we came up with that, phone uh, the coach and asked him to be a captain. But we literally just come up with it. So the way it worked out was just absolutely perfect. Uh, for Zebo to get it, the character he is, <laughs> for Rob Penny to answer the phone <laughs> and react the way he did was just brilliant. I imagine moments like that probably help galvanise a team more than you'd imagine. Well, if you look at that room, they celebrated more for that than they winning the first test. Uh, <laughs> it, it was brilliant. Um, even the story to the reason why he was fined. The time that Colin Murray, the, the time was run out when he wasn't. So he kicked the ball out in the fall. So, yeah, stuff like that was brilliant. Fines committees and little jokes and stuff. It was, it was loads of ones as well. I was like, one of the fines would be she was shaved hair, so I was dreading you know, if that ever came up. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it's good, good little bits like that. You have your entertainment committee, your music committee, everything. These sort of things really help the tours go smoothly. Looking back and being part of a successful Lions series, which is incredibly rare, you must be very, very proud. Yeah, I'm, I'm massively, massively proud. I'm, I'm just so. Happy just to be a part of it, because uh, it's no. I, I've been on international tours, I've been on club tours. There's no way of describing what a Lions tour is like. Uh, at times in Australia, I felt like we were at home. There was that many. <laughs> they changed the place in, uh, changed Australia to uh, the British and Irish country. It was just mad. Uh, it was such a special thing. It's, it's turning up on the first day was it your first day of school. Uh, to the whole 10 weeks of it and it was just the, my, one of my biggest favourite parts of the whole trip was the, the at the end of the tour you have to stay behind for a few days just to uh, for insurance purposes and sign you off and I was just sitting down and had beers and drinks with the boys and just letting your head out at the end of it all after what we all done together you mentioned you were rooming with Paul O'Connell and that you became very friendly with him. Was there anyone else on the tour that kind of um, changed your expectations or changed your mind about them? Uh, I think anyone you play against, you, you sort of get rivalries for. It's the same. You think you get one idea of what they like in your head and when you actually meet them, you, at the end of the year, the players are exactly the same as you fucking are. It's, it's nuts. And, uh, it was it was no egos, no no dicks, no nothing on the tour. They just hold a great bunch of boys. Uh, the 
chemistry of the squad was just superb the, the whole trip. Even when the other boys came in, and when boys picked up injuries, or when Super Shane returned for a game, <laughs> yeah, it was just yeah, the chemistry of the whole tour was just it was great from the back room to the front room. You played under an awful lot of coaches between, let's say, Ospreys, Gloucester, Dragons, Wales, the Lions. Who would you say was your favourite to work under? Oh, it's, 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 it's such a hard, hard, hard uh, thing because they all got different attributes, massively different attributes. Um, I feel like Gats, Gats was a master of making you want to play for him and wanting to get his approval while playing mind games to get the best out of you. Uh, you had Roy Fisher was in Gloucester and he was a great technical coach uh, unbelievable uh, but obviously when you get results under him I think Dean now uh, one of the stories I heard about Dean before I joined uh, before he came I thought oh he's great but he's mellowed as a bloke and, uh, and as a coach and he's he's, he's really good uh, I'm, I'm surprised how, how good he is so it's a, it's, a, it's a real tough one. It is a tough one. Yeah, and they all bring different things. Like uh, Lynn Jones, who first time me, I never seen them look at a game like he can look at it and pick out all the little cheats. It's just impressive. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I, I don't think I can answer that. It's just purely down to different aspects of uh, of their personalities and the way they coach. Well, if, if you didn't like that question, you probably won't like the next one. I won't like. <laughs> um, you've also had a lot of guys play alongside you, both left and right. Who yeah. would you say has been the best front row partnership you've had so far? Uh, that is a difficult one. Uh, I think, uh, Lou said, like, I've been blessed. Uh, Duncan Jones, I've got Gethin Jenkins, who's, who's like a, a front guy and a pop's body. Then you got Paul James, who, who is one of my best mates, and he's been fantastic for the Ospreys but and Wales over the years. So it'd definitely be one of those three. <laughs> uh, tight dead. Again, I had the armchair right of Adam Jones for 10 years at the Ospreys. He was class, and I mean, different world good. Uh, uh, but then when I moved to Gloucester, John Forward, uh, talking at the same time as me. And now he's like, been, uh, I would say, half stuck in a pop's body. And the skills he can bring was just class. And again, he can scrummage as well. So it's probably out of those two. Uh, but so it'll definitely be a good uh, starting team and definitely good uh, backup. <laughs> it was a real politician's answer, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and who is the toughest front row you played against? It sticks out right in my head through the way. The Leicester, the Leicester front row of old. Uh, and the first, when the Heidi Cup, when we first started getting into it, and we always drawn against Leicester in the group. And they were class back then as well in scrum. Every day was out in uh, against us. The Junior White, the Azusa, the Kaiser, uh, Shooter, Cash, they were have a real good strong outfit and a strong pack so those games were always savage I always found it tough against them so the Leicesters of uh, yesteryear 
definitely one of the hardest ones I've ever had. Well, the last question I'll ask you is one I kind of like to ask any coaches or players I'm chatting to. What advice would you give to young players and especially young hookers that are coming through now? Oh, this is a good one. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. I would say uh, to any sort of player coming through, never get complacent. Rugby is an amazing sport. And to get to the top, you, you can never be complacent. Um, you've, nothing's going to come to you. You've got to go out there and live. Even when you do get to the top, that's the biggest slip for a lot of players. And I think complacency is a, is a big factor in determines how good your career is going to be. Uh, you could think you get to the top and you can make it, and you think, well, I'm happy now. And that's when the next little guy comes along and knocks you off your perch. So it's definitely complacency. You know, my biggest driver all the way through in my early days was I like to prove people wrong. I like, I prefer getting written off by anyone. Uh, I just like to prove them wrong, and that was my biggest driver in my early days. And, and then it was a factor of complacency. I would say is is something that does creep in. I even creeps into the, the, any player. And I, I think a big one was my first year at Gloucester, and I thought obviously we just come back on the Lions tour and. It's been well, won the championship in Wales a year before, and so, but I sort of got thoughts off. So the prem can't be hard. Fuck me, did I have an eye opener? I had a shock game for a season, and I thought, geez, it was just. I think I was a little bit of complacency, uh, and then my old driver kicked back in, and then I wanted to prove everyone wrong. So uh, I think those two big things for me. Well, listen, thanks a million, Richard, for coming on the pod and for, for sharing oh, the stories and everything. Oh, no, thanks for having me on. Well, that's it from me, folks. Thanks a million for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it.